This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Day of the Triffids, episodes three and four. The world as we knew it has ended. And some of us may be feeling it is the end of everything, but it isn't. It can be if we allow it. At any time during the last 35 years, the Earth could have been destroyed by a nuclear holocaust. The Earth has not been destroyed. It can still provide us with food and raw materials. We have repositories of knowledge that can teach us to do anything that we have done before. We have the means. And we have the health and the strength to begin to build again. Welcome to Continuum Drag. The podcast endorsed by the Queen herself. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Does the Queen endorse a lot of podcasts? Just ours. That's nice. We got the official word. It, it couldn't happen to two nicer uh, nicer fellows. The bad boys of podcasting. <laughs> you said that earlier too, isn't it? That's our, that's that's, our new thing. That's our new thing, apparently. Yeah, we're the bad boys of podcasting. Don't even try to stop us. Get Don't it. stop us. Who knows what we're going to say? We might talk about uh spacemen we might talk about future technology look out joe rogan (laughs) yeah he's really really worried (laughs) all right jordan it's another week of day of the triffids Mm -hmm. i think you've got a little something before we get into these episodes as with a lot of these things um these properties or uh, uh works of fiction that have sort of rabid fan bases you always find that there's a lot of fan fiction there wasn't a lot of slash fiction on this, but uh, what I did find, as with a lot of um, shows like Planet of the Apes and uh, uh, Space Above and Beyond and that sort of thing, is the length of these things is mind-boggling. How long? Like, people are writing novels. Novels. It's, it's, I mean, I'll tell you what I'm more surprised by, because I really didn't understand that Dave Triffids was this big before we started kind of looking at it. So even when you told me, it's like, I've got fan fiction, and I was just like, someone's written fan fiction? Oh, there's a ton of it. So that's our little prelude to, I'm going to read us one of these fan fictions. I picked one that I think is uh, mostly based on the, on the length. I've never read this, so I apologize again for my stumbling. But it is called uh, The Vegetable Member of the Pack. Oh. And it's written by Trisor or Trisor? Anyway, uh, Triffid? Tri- yeah, tr- Trisor? Trisor? Um, so here's the summary. Local werewolf pack enjoys the benefits of befriending a Triffid. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, yes. It's, it's, Please. Yeah, so it's, uh, that's what the vegetable member of the this pack. Is, this, is the, this is the Twilight of the Triffids. Mm-hmm. Also, a good name for a sequel, Twilight of the Triffids. Twilight. Oh, that is good. I wonder if, if he had made other sequels. I didn't, even, I didn't even look to see if he had done other books, but if, if he did, that's definitely got to be t- one. The number one of the bullet. Um, all right. Castiel didn't know if all humans turned into wolves or if these humans were special. He never met a friendly human before, but he had once met a friendly wolf that had snuck into the pen where the humans had held him captive. So maybe his new friends weren't humans that turned into wolves, but rather wolves that turned into humans. That seemed more likely. One of his new... <laughs> he spelled new wrong. One of his new, <laughs> new wolf friends darted under the leaves and pressed close against the spindles. From the size and smell... And he was sure it was Ruby. What? She huddled close against him, and he stayed perfectly still. Castiel could feel blood dripping onto his spindles. Ruby was hurt. Oh, I think Castiel is a yeah. Is a Castiel's a triffid. Yeah. Okay. The sound of two humans thundering across the ground echoed towards him. They thundered and echoed. He curled his stock up, coiled tight, waiting to strike. The scent of anger and violence tainted the cool night air. The humans didn't slow down as they approached him. For some reason, Castiel had learned, humans couldn't find things as easily during the night. Ruby rumbled beside him. It wasn't at all like a sound from a proper speaking stick, but Castiel had learned what it meant. Enemies. As soon as the humans were in range, Castiel's stalk whipped out and smacked one across the head. The first human dropped to the ground. The second human stumbled and stopped. Castiel whipped his stalk out again and hit the second human. They dropped to the ground too. The fast patter of wolves running vibrated the ground. The rest of his new friends were coming. Ruby crept from his side and went to the two humans on the ground. A moment later, the scent of warm blood filled the air. She was eating him. That's what was happening there. Right, right, right. That's my little editorializing. Ruby Uh, or Castile? 
Yeah, Ruby, I think. I've checked out. <laughs> <laughs> We're halfway there. Castiel shivered in joy. He liked helping his new wolf friends. He protected them when humans came and helped his friends catch meals, and they were happy to share with him their fill, which wasn't much at all, and then dragged the bodies over to him where he could sit and wait for the meat to turn into a nice pile of rot. Ew. His new friends made their own version of joyous noises as they ate. He rattled his speaking sticks along with them, telling them how much he enjoyed their company. If he didn't have his strange wolf friends that turned into humans, he'd be all alone. No other Triffids had come this far. Castiel didn't know if those he had escaped with had found safety or if the humans had killed them or herded them back into captivity. He preferred to think they had all made it to safety and were living as free plants. His wolf friends paced around him several times until, one by one, they crawled under his leaves and curled up around his spindles. Castiel spread his leaves out, making sure to hide them all while they rested. When the sun came up, his friends would turn into humans, then drag the meat from his kill over to him. Castiel shivered with joy and rattled out soothing song on his speaking sticks about how wonderful it was to be a free plant with wolf friends that understood him. This story's going nowhere. Okay, we're almost there. Meg woke up to Sam's elbow in her stomach and the Triffid's funny little stick thing tapping against her leg. She rolled out from under the Triffid's leaves. Her nose twitched and the scent of blood. At the scent of blood, excuse me. She didn't have to look uh, far to find the source. There were two bodies on the ground in front of the Triffid. The chest had been torn open, their hearts eaten. Meg wiped at her mouth, knowing that it must be covered in blood. It wasn't the first time since Dean had stumbled across the Triffid that one of them had lured hunters to it during a full moon. Meg nudged the other with her foot. Hey, wake up. I'm not hauling bodies on my own. Dean and Ruby grumbled something at her and stayed where they were, but Sam crawled out from under the Triffid, yawning and stretching. I'm guessing all these are wolves? These are all, uh, yeah, I think these were previously werewolves and now are people waking oh, okay. up the next day. Okay, you're, you're, you're catching more than I am. Did we take them down or was it the Triffid? Sam asked through a yawn. Meg shrugged. I figured it was the Triffid. She crossed the short distance to the bodies and squatted down beside them. She poked at the remains. Pretty sure it was the Triffid. The Triffid's leaves shivered. It rattled gently. You think that means yes, Meg asked. Sam looked between Meg and the Triffid. Maybe, he shrugged. Or maybe it's just excited about being fed. Meg grabbed the foot of one of the bodies. Well, either way, let's not keep... Let's not keeping our resident vegetable member of the pack waiting. She waited for Sam to grab the other foot of the hunter. They dragged it over to the Triffid, making sure to dump the body in the top of Rudy and Dean. Ruby and Dean rolled out from under the Triffid's leaves, making indignant noises that only made Meg laugh harder while she and Sam hold over the second body. They got the two bodies lined up on either side of the Triffid. They made sure to leave enough space between them for the Triffid to make a quick escape if it had to. The Triffid shivered again. Its stalk slowly reached down and dragged over her skin. Meg put it back. Yeah, good job on those hunters, Meg praised. And thanks for not stinging us to death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, thanks for that. All right. Yeah. that's me, Is that even a story? Let me tell you what I liked about that. Okay. When I phased out midway through, it's because <laughs> I was really, for some reason, interested in uh, a Triffid's internal life. Because most of the story was inside like a Triffid's view of the world. I don't know why I've never considered that as a possibility before. Something about that concept really tickled me. I think if you have, you've decided that you're going to go into the world of Triffids and you're going to add werewolves, there's a lot more you can do than have just the plant look around and go, oh, werewolves. What I didn't like, though, I think, is I didn't like that the human versions of the werewolves knew the Triffid was their friend. <laughs> I yeah. Think, I think it would be better they wake up, they're freaked out, they're next to a Triffid, but then they're like, oh, you killed these guys, obviously, in the night. The Triffid will probably eat them. Like, I, I was like, I, I think they should, I wanted them to treat the Triffid like a still some sort of like plant that didn't have any emotions and they were just like body dumped. That'd be a better ending, wouldn't it? That they all just like, they killed it. Or like, they just like, just dump the bodies of the Triffid. It'll take care of the evidence. Mm. Oh, there should be one where uh, gangsters own a Triffid and they feed bodies to it. That's pretty good. That's right. Can they be a gang of werewolves? No, no, it's it's just it's just uh, the Sopranos. It's just the Sopranos, and then they just have Triffids. They just have Triffids in that world. It's one of the benefits. You know what? I am coming on board with this fan fiction because outside of the like core text here where it's an apocalypse, I do kind of like an idea of a whole bunch of short stories about just like just a world with like moving carnivorous plants, but like the world's still moving on just fine. It's just like how would you how would you incorporate them into your life? Well, I think I'm into that. I think I just would rather hear about the werewolves. Oh, they're so done. Triffids are they in. done? They're done. Triffids <laughs> Triffids are are <laughs> anyway, this Halloween, I'm dressing as a sexy Triffid. Yeah, all you know, everyone's gonna know exactly what that is. <laughs> it's like gonna be a hot new costume. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jordan. Well, thanks for story time. No problem. I like that you picked that one because it was the weirdest crossover of uh, ideas. Oh, you know what? I think these people might be characters from another show. I think these might be. 
Yeah, I think these are characters. Because, like, the Ooh. tags are, like, these people's names. Sam Winchester, Dean Winchester. This is from something else. Oh, that, uh, Sam and Dean? That's yeah. um, That's Supernatural. Oh, so there you go. This is a Supernatural crossover. I didn't even know. Were Sam and Dean in the... Yeah, those are two of the names. They're two werewolves? Yeah. I mean, I don't watch that show, but I don't think they're werewolves on that show. Yeah, look at the sentence. She waited for Sam to grab the other foot of the hunter. Crazy. So supernatural Day of the Trippers crossover yeah. in which they're werewolves, which I don't think is canon. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Let's let's get into our, our true. Let's get into the canon. All right. Here is the IMDb summary for part three. Bill and his new friend Joe find a group of other sighted people, some of whom plan to form a new community in the country. But no one takes seriously Bill's warning that the Triffids are a serious threat. That was courtesy of Jace Berlin. Oh, our old friend Jay. Was that short enough for you? Yeah, it was a little bit better. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I've, I've said what I have to say about Jay. You've disparaged him. <laughs> the, the poor guy. I'm sure he's a very nice guy who's got a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> he right. probably writes fan fiction. Uh, who, who has the time? Well, he doesn't. He's written like 50,000 reviews. <laughs> that is true. All right. So uh, do you remember where the last episode's cliffhanger left off? Yes. Where we are was a very uh, zombie-like experience where the two main characters are stuck in a car and all the blind people are like sort of pounding their hands on it going like, are there people in there? Let us in. Yeah. Can you see? Can you help us? Yeah. And uh, despite all the groping hands that reach into the car and like reach across the car, unable to find them, they very easily escape the blind people. Yeah. And it was it was shot in a weird way, too. And I know why, because it doesn't quite make sense how they are able to get out without anyone touching them, but it's shot in a very awkward way. So I was like, are they getting caught? No. Are the people in the car? Because suddenly they're in and then they cr somehow crawl out and no one knows it's them. Yeah. They, they basically, they open a door where no blind people are and sneak out the side. It, it, you know, it wasn't much of a cliffhanger. And then they just go directly into another car. Yeah. I mean, they're just everywhere. Everyone's leaving their keys in yeah. their cars. This is the 1980 was when you left your keys in your car. Yeah. And where do they go immediately? They go to... A show flat? Yeah. So, because I thought at first it was her apartment, but it's not, right? It's just an apartment that's being set up to for sale? Yeah. It'd be like a condo, a, a fake setup condo to try to sell you a unit in the building. Right. Because I also thought this was her apartment until someone finally was like, this is the show flat. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Isn't that weird that they'd even make that distinction? I guess they didn't want to show the two characters breaking into someone's house. Well, I guess we saw her house with her daddy. Right. In the previous episode. <laughs> Her daddy, yeah, that's right. Um, and the dead maid. And the dead maid. So we knew she didn't live there. I, honestly, it could have been his house too. I wouldn't have questioned it. <laughs> but what I like about this scene is they basically, uh, it's a scene to show they're, uh, they're starting to learn about a little bit of each other and they're liking each other and they're developing a relationship. She sort of jokes about that she's made dinner for them, but I think it's just stuff they had sitting yeah, around. Yeah, well, she's going to have like a, a cheese board she's yeah. made. And, and what he's really pleased at is uh, she's wearing a dress. Yeah, she stole the cocktail dress on her way over, and now she's uh, she's got all dressed up for their little date. Yeah, and then they have they have wine, and they kind of she makes like suggestive comments to him about the wine, and you know, she talked about the wine, she talked about him, and she's like, "Well, it really is full bodied." Yeah, it's very good. And I was like, "He's not full bodied. <laughs> he's got a, he's got that full bodied beard." I guess it's a full beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Did uh, you like the thing he was crafting on the couch? That I have no idea what it was. What was yeah, what was he doing? No idea. I have yeah. no idea. I, it looked just like, something with his hands. I was like, is he building something? But he like puts down anything, comes his dinner, and they never come back to him. Like, I thought he was whittling or something. Well, yeah, I was just like, what is he up to over there? I'm like, is he making a mace? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter because as soon as cheese comes, that's it. Because he's making it, and he's just like, he's like, we can use this that they can if we find out Trivets can climb the building. I'm like, hit them? You're gonna hit them with that thing you built? <laughs> you know what? Is it a little bit like? Remember in The Simpsons where Homer is having a dream? And he thinks he's going to, he comes up with this great invention, but he, he the, oh, he the characters won't show. And he's like, he's like, what is it? Like, well, Mr. Simpson, you've made this wonderful thing. He's like, no, no, what is it? Yeah. Good episode. Yeah. They're all good episodes. They're all, well, not all of them, but all, at, all, every single one. At that point, it was really good. Every single episode. Anyway, so they are having their lovely moment together and they're learning about each other. And there's a blinking in the distance, a oh. light. Do you want to, I also wanted to ask if you remember how the moment was almost ruined. No, I don't. They're drinking that wine, and uh, Bill makes a comment about how, well, you probably have a better palate than me since you're so wealthy and better off than oh, me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There's this weird uh, this weird class sort uh, yeah, of struggle. Yeah, class that, that just comes up. You're like, oh, okay, why would you bring that up? Well, I also liked uh, Joe's solution. She's just like, listen, from now on, nothing in the past ever happened. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about anything that happened before everyone went blind. 
okay? And he's like, deal. And I'm like, okay. So no more backstories. Yeah. Well, she doesn't want him to have to ask about why she was partying so hard and then taking sleeping pills. And that's why she missed, right? She's like, don't ask any follow-up questions. But you're right. Out the window, they see a flashing light. Uh, It's on a tower from the University of London. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess a signal to let the uh, sighted people know that that's where they should go. Because up until now, they've been trying to decide, you know, what do we do? Where Mm -hmm. do we go? And the closest they've come to a solution is, how does Joe put it? She knows these people, friends of hers who live in an off-the-grid self-sustaining farm who, uh, or as she describes them, real do-it-yourself environment freaks. Yep. I'm like, rude, considering they're the people who are going to keep you alive. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's a little of its time because this is the early 80s. And I think the idea of, was not as hip of the idea of like getting off the grid and growing your own food and all that. Now that's, you know, a very cool idea. Maybe not so cool in 1981. I guess so. But I, my, my only question is like, isn't that the allegory of this entire thing? It's just weird for them, her to call out the people who are the only people who can save them from this environmental disaster. I was being freaks. <laughs> anyway, they decide they're going to instead head to the Tower of London. And uh, the next morning they head over and we get to see um, a bit of an interstitial in the course of the night, right? Yeah, well, they like do a cutaway. It's weird because this has nothing to do with the rest of the show. No, and no you can take it out. No characters we've ever seen before. Yeah, so what you have is a old, so somewhat older man and woman. Yeah, retirees, if you will. Yeah, and it looks like they're in their kind of their backyard or something like that. And she's holding a rope. It's tethered to him so he yeah. can walk into the garden. So the idea, I guess, being... He's going to pick some he's gonna pick some vegetables so he doesn't get lost and then she can pull him back so he doesn't wander away but like immediately a triffid's watching and kills him yep and then that's it and then like we never see these people again it doesn't matter it was just like a weird not even it didn't even take long what like 45 seconds yeah and i mean it's funny i i don't mind the concept i i would have seen glimpses of people and like how they were dealing with it like if if that was like a motif of this show or like yeah it's interesting i never really thought of that transitions would you show you know who what happened to the guy who was at the top of the tallest skyscraper when this all happened what happened to what happened to the guy who was navigating a boat you're right that would have been a, a nice kind of shorthand way of filling show- out the world yeah exactly but yeah that's interesting but yeah it seemed like they went for it and they went and eh, that's all you need right you guys get it you get it you guys get it right but uh they jump to the University of London in the mor- next morning, and we meet uh, a new character there standing outside the gates of the University of London. Uh, Coker? I never got his name. I always just refer to him as Turtleneck. He's always in a turtleneck. He's always in a white turtleneck. You no, know, I believe his name is Coker. Coker. Coker has like a group, like Coker can see. He has a group of blind people with him who he is shepherding. And he's at the gates of uh, the University of London. There's like, seems to be a bunch of military men inside. Mm-hmm. And they've locked the gates and they're not letting him through. They, they say, we would let you in here to live with the sighted people, but you must leave all your blinds behind or you're not allowed in. And he makes a very... By the way, leave all your blinds behind. I don't know. I've been trying to avoid referring to that way, but it's just like so hard. It's There's so many of them. The blinds. It is this weird thing where he's just like, yeah, but if you guys just, if we just joined forces, we could just work with the blind people and like, it'd be fine. And the men in the universe are like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're welcome to come in, but you have to leave all these blind people out. Like, there's a real... It was like... Yeah. I was just like, these people are very mean, and this Coker guy seems very reasonable. Mm-hmm. So it it becomes a thing where he sort of starts kind of berating them for not helping people, and what ends up happening is he sort of grabs the military guy to try to get his keys. He's like, if you're not going to get... I'll get your keys. And while they're doing that, one of the other guys in the military starts shooting his gun, and the kind of people just disperse. And that's sort of the end of that. But you get the sense that he's going to be a character later on. That, that was his little introduction. Yeah, yeah, a little introduction for him. But, I mean, Joe and Bill, they, they sneak in and they actually end up meeting this group of people. And kind of what we have here is is we find out the survivors have a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the survivors. They're the, this the, group. The sighted people in this thing. Is their intention is they are going to gather supplies, vaccines, food. They're going to pack up everyone who uh, can see. And they're going to head into the country for five or six years and kind of let nature take its course in the cities. It's going to kind of, they'll start a new society that way. And uh, here's the quote for uh, how, how they envision the society working. The men must work. The women must have babies. And that, like, that's their whole plan. <laughs> well, let's, let's remind everyone, it has been what? 24 48 hours maybe uh, yeah. 72 hours maybe 72. and they're already talking uh, about like whoever i would argue 24 yeah, whoever's in charge clearly had the idea of restarting society before this because you didn't just come up with this at the time like 
know what I mean? They're not talking about how do we properly make sure that uh, everyone's warm or that places are insulated like, or that... How do we get out of London as fast as humanly y- possible? Yeah. It's just like, how do we get fast? And by the way, well, we got to start making babies right away. It's like, whoa, like, I, I, what are we even talking about? And then the second thing is like, they sort of hint at, I want to say cult, but cult is maybe too strong a word, but an extremist group, is that a better way of saying it? Certainly along the... Like, I mean, they're making extreme judgments moral judgments of how society should work like in the idea here they're like they're gonna leave and they're like blind people can come with us but not blind men because they can't work but blind women if they can have babies they're welcome to join us is it here where they say like if you're a man you have to essentially be with a woman and you have to also take on a blind woman yeah they say this is it's no longer a time for one man one woman and i i think they start theorizing it's just like every man will have a sighted wife and then two blind sister wives. Yeah. What I liked about this is, that, you know, this is obviously where you'd have the debate about like the ethics and morality of it. And, and Bill and Joe kind of have that debate, but they basically both agree that abandoning the blind is the correct thing to do. And then Joe is like making jokes and she's just like, she's like, listen, if you're getting two blind wives, though, I get to choose them. Like she's, the, yeah, that's the thing. The debate's not really there. They both kind of are like absolutely this is the correct course I felt of the same thing i think it's actually it's one of the few things because i i quite like this show i think it's one of the things that doesn't work quite as well because of the format they have which is six episodes and they're really short episodes they're 25 minutes and there's not a lot of time so they they're hint not- at these ideas and this almost seems like a season-long b arc do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's this, this we a weird society we bump into, yeah. and it would have happened like three years into it, kind of. Thing. Yeah, but we just don't have time for it, so it well, just it seems like it's treated kind of flippantly. Well, it just seems insane too because it's is they're, they're not zombies, they are just blind people, and in the world we live in currently, there are blind people. Yeah, and they live lives, so it's it's not even like everyone's overreacting a little bit. <laughs> every, yeah, listen, it's just like it's like this isn't that like it's a big deal like it's going to change things but it's not insurmountable by any means i know it's like oh why don't we just add um sound to the crosswalks there you go there's one solution there there (laughs) just seems like it seems like there's like that's why coker in that beginning of this episode seems like the most reasonable human being because everything he's saying is like yeah if we just get into groups and like walk around and they can they we, we can like help them well you got to feel for him because he's the one being sensible and he's like guys let's just help everyone and they're like nope We've already decided redoing society. He's like, guys, we, all we just need to do is just help. He's like, nope, don't want to listen to you, crazy man. We've got our idea. New society in the farms. Also, also what's fun and when they meet these uh, this group who's going to head out and start this thing. None of them have thought about Triffids, haven't encountered any, think Bill is crazy. There's a weird thing, and I don't know, again, if it's just a product of the speed at which they have to move, but they have a couple different things, and, and we're going to talk about this coming up very shortly in this episode, I believe. You have everyone got blind, but they don't really, we're not going to really ever learn wh- why, or it doesn't seem like we're going to learn right. how they got something blind. Something happened. Something happened. That's one. Triffids, the second, are Triffids are loose. Triffids are loose. attacking. But the third thing now is going to be, there's also maybe a disease, which we're going to come to. But it's like, it almost feels like they should have just maybe gone with one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, is, it, they, they don't, uh, they don't have enough time to develop all of them. So you just got to touch on everything. And I mean, I, th- I feel like certainly in this episode, their focus is off the Triffids, which are the title characters, and on to the idea of sort of starting a new society amongst the blind. And it was just kind of odd because it is this funny thing, which I think could work, the idea that like the Triffids aren't, like they've just got out. There's only a few of them out there and they're going to eventually be a growing menace. But we've seen them so much in the previous episodes that they seemed omnipresent. So now when we bump into new people, they're like, yeah. huh, Triffids. And it did feel like when they come back later, I was like, oh yeah, that's the show isn't it about triffids but they've been gone for a long time we kind of lose them a lot yeah in in this episode for sure essentially bill and joe agree to go out and uh, they're they're going to pick up um two lorries full of supplies and that'll basically either buy them passage to this new society or they're fairly reasonable if you don't want to live in their society they'll just give you supplies and you can go off and do your own thing Mm -hmm. And Bill, because he's so pragmatic, he's going to pick up all the anti-Triffid gear he can find because he knows the truth. Yeah. (laughs) The only one. And they kind of come back. They spend the night there because they're really moving. You're right. It's been 24 hours, 48 hours, maybe. We're saying at best, maybe three days. Yeah. They're leaving the next morning. So Joe and Bill are spending the night with them, getting ready to head out with them in the morning. And uh, which, oh, this is very weird, too. Did you notice this? Because they're like staying in dorms at the school. And the leaders of this like 
movement are like men and women can't sleep in the same dorms. They're oh, like, I don't remember that. They they mentioned they divided them by sex. And I'm just like, what is this group? There's something there that doesn't quite get developed. And I think it doesn't quite work because you don't really get the sense that there's something creepy happening, but that's what they're clearly going for. But it doesn't quite land. I mean, I wonder if maybe it's just like it's a, in the book, it's clear. And then everyone, yeah, and everyone's you're probably like, right. you all read the book, so you get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But while, they're, while Bill's sleeping in this dorm, it starts filling up with smoke. Someone starts ringing a fire alarm being like, there's a fire. Bill runs and grabs an extinguisher and he he's like running down the stairs to find the fire. And uh, immediately falls over. He just falls down the stairs immediately. And uh, when he hits the basement, the, like the basement landing, he uh, gets knocked out. And when he comes to, he's tied to a bed. And the episode ends on that cliffhanger. And then and this was the point where I realized, oh, this is how all the episodes are going to end. It sort of like goes in one direction and they go, oh, weird scene at the end. Stay, stay tuned for the next one. You're like, oh, okay. okay. I mean, I think, and we'll see it definitely in this next episode. Certainly in these two episodes, they're like, here is an interesting idea of a story that could happen in an apocalypse. We're just going to deal, we're just going to look at that for 20 minutes and then we're going to forget about it. Yeah. And then we're going to look at another thing that could happen. But because they're so quick and light, basically we saw a weird cult starting or something. We saw like people being pr- pragmatic, but being cold hearted. And like, that's the way they feel you should survive an apocalypse. But we didn't get to know any of them. Like, and there are arguably four or five characters leading this group. They each have scenes and lines, but we never see them again. Yeah. We never really learned a name. And their ideal ideology never fully cements. Yeah. And then as we get into this next episode, we're going to be introduced to a new ideology mm-hmm. and look at it from that angle. And it is kind of, it just feels like you're racing through ideas that are too big to think about in such short span. And as a result, it does feel like flippant. But more importantly, we've ended with Bill tied to a bed. Dun, also, dun, dun. also, I really laughed when he fell down that set of stairs. <laughs> I did too. What I wrote down was, he goes to help but trips and falls down the stairs because he's a real bozo. Well, that fall too. And we'll come to learn because it was a tripwire yeah. stairs, but we don't know it at this time. And that fall was like a real clown fall. His <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. arms <laughs> flop up in the air and he just falls down the it stairs. It does look like any time, there's at least the second instance, maybe third, of Bill trying to save the day and just almost quite literally falling flat on his face. Just whiffing it. Yeah. That's Bill. <laughs> yeah. So episode four? Yes. The IMDb summary for part four. You can't leave them like this. They need you. I'm not doing any good. I'm afraid all those hopes are false. But what if they weren't? We'd have heard something by now. But if there are people coming, and you've just walked out... Do you think I haven't thought of that? I'm doing no good. I'm like a drug they give to patients to keep them going a little bit longer. I can't save anybody. Bill is kidnapped and forced to be the eyes for a group of blind people. That was courtesy of Jace Berlin. Oh, he, he nailed it this time. You know what? He's turning things around. He himself is even running out. He's like, well, not much happens, I guess. It's true. When you actually start breaking it down, very little content happens each episode. Well, it's funny. This episode, I would say, probably has more stuff going on that makes a little more, a little more sense. But it's, it's interesting because I would say that last episode like flies by and I'm like, wait, yeah. what? It seems like it's setting something up that then they leave behind. So basically, after this university fire, we find out it was faked. And it was yeah. faked by Coker, the man who was at the, at the gates. And his idea here was he set this trap in the effort to... He knew as the sighted people ran down the stairs to try to find the fire, they would trip and fall, which is a very funny plan. Yeah. They would catch the sighted people. And now he's basically going to force them to help the blind people. And he's basically forcing them into a yeah. position like he's like, why don't you help them? I'm going to force you to help them. One, I like that at the very beginning when uh, he finally gets untied, the guy just gives him a tea. And I was like, oh, it's so British. Oh, um, and he puts a little, puts a little whiskey in it. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is that, yes, his uh, uh, coker. Coker, yeah. Coker's plan is that only the people who can see are going to be trip and fall down. Like, do you think he killed anyone accidentally? Oh, like someone uh, fell and like broke their neck. He's like, oh, whoops, that was hundred percent. A couple people uh, tripped and fell. As Coker always says, you want to make an omelet, you got to crack some eggs. Exactly. You know? uh, how are these? I mean, essentially imprisoned sighted people going to work with the blind people? Like, what is kind of the plan to keep them there? Well, I mean, there seems to be a lot of browbeating and like making you feel bad about it. That's one thing. But what they've done is each person who has sight is 
I guess, handcuffed to two other people who can't see. And they basically walk around and be like, over there, there's a there's a carrot. Grab that carrot. Okay, you to your right, there's a box of dynamite. Go pick that up. And that's basically how it works. Now, I don't know if that's the most effective way of doing things, but it's what they've chosen. Well, and I think the idea behind it is, is uh, and Coker even says it at some point, he's just like, listen, I'm handcuffing you to two people so that you can't just run away. And at some point, you are absolutely going to have the chance to run away because you have sight. Yeah. And how are they going to stop you? He's just like, I'm just hoping you do this for long enough that you grow the slightest amount of empathy. Right. And you'll stick around. But it is funny watching Bill handcuffed to two people. Well, he does. It is. It is an interesting thing. He really puts this guilt into Bill, and it's an interesting societal point. Is that you have to force people to help the unfortunate. And he's basically saying, I know this sucks, but you knew but you're not going to help. It sucks more for them. It sucks more for them. So you're going to do it. And and I was like, well, that's it, it is an interesting concept. Again, maybe not entirely realized, but I like that they put it out there. The concept is is interesting for sure. Like a, a forced helping, uh, mm. like social benefit. Forced charity. Forced yeah. charity. Um, and basically what Coker has uh, concocted here is he is putting one-sided person with maybe a group of 10 blind people He's broken the city into basically zones. Mm-hmm. Each basically, I believe he calls them parties. Like uh, they're they're a party on Dungeons mm-hmm. Dragons or something, and they're put in their zone. They're going to set up a home base in that zone. They're going to start rooting around, finding anything of use, setting it up in their home base, finding other people who need help, bringing them back to their home base, and essentially they'll all be isolated. Though sighted people will never see other sighted people. Yeah. It's and, pretty well organized. Again, for. He's put together in a very short amount of time. Of the plans that make the least, like this one at least seems like it came was come up with last night kind of right. thing. Some elements of this are like, you're being forced to do charity. There's some handcuffs involved, but they really are kind of painting Coker as a real villain. Like he's given a really yeah. villainous brush for a man who just like, for all intents and purposes, this is like a fairly reasonable and humane it thing is to interesting be doing. Because I think at least in this point in the show, and we'll see if it changes later on, but it seems as if, the writers don't know how they want the viewer to feel about him or at best they want you to have mixed feelings about him because you're right they sort of present him as a somewhat villain character but the one who's making the most sense you're like okay well that's yeah i guess that's yeah that's why i had trouble figuring out because yeah i would say like his goals all make sense to me i'm like yeah of course this makes sense but then they do things like he he's not going to bother learning the names of the sighted like he's like, I don't bother learning their names. I'm like, why? Like, what? What? What's your problem? And then there's something else. They says, oh yeah, they kind of paint him as a fool, because when when he's pushed, when Bill's just like, why are you doing this? You think help's really ever going to come? And he's just like, of course help's going to come. Like he's like painted like he's a fool, Naive, yeah. and like an. And it was odd. It was it was odd that they would paint him so. I don't know. Unfortunately, when they painted kind of those people from the last episode who were like basically abandoning everyone to start some sort of sex cult, they were sort of treated as smart and heroic. I just was left with the idea of I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about any of these groups. And again, I think it's maybe just because it's pieces taken from a larger work, the book, and it doesn't and you're only getting a hint of it or but it also might just be that they just the writer just didn't know where to land on it. That kind of writing can like it's kind of like a road or something. Like they're leaning into like the hard thing is the thing you have to do. And if you try to be soft, you won't survive. I'm wondering if that's like they're trying to have that like real dark edge to it. But it just they can't land they can't land the tone because it's yeah. it's a low budget thing and like the the thing the guy who's kind of a fool is doing is actually like clearly the most sensible thing. Yeah. And the other guys it's been like twenty four hours and they're like, We gotta abandon the city immediately. Like it's hard it's hard to like believe those people are, are doing the right thing yeah because not enough time has passed that, i think that's yeah and i mean and again we've said it before and we'll probably say it again one of the major issues of this show uh and it's not it's not i shouldn't even say it's a major issue a minor issue is the length of time that has passed it, a lot of this could really be solved with it's been weeks yeah, or just, months and you go oh a lot more of this makes sense but the fact that it's moving at such a clip is like guys this is crazy check if every episode ended and the next episode was like a week later two weeks later yeah and you were just catching up with what happened in that too. It, it might like feel less of a rush. Yeah. Anyway. Then, anyway, we go to a family's home who is that? That's where we go next. Well, right? I, I, I was just going to say because uh, just for the listeners. So, they, so they, if they're wondering what happened to Joe, she's also been captured. And uh, some, oh, yeah, some some blind guy who uh, Bill's uh, Bill's 
handcuffed to. He's like, don't worry. I told her you're alive and okay. She's getting her own zone just so that Bill knows she's yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. And for, for the, the viewer and for, for Bill, they both go, yeah, she's okay, by the way. Don't worry about her. Love story for the ages. We yeah. need to know what's happening. <laughs> Basically, Bill and his party are taken. They're put in the back of a van. They're driven out to their, their zone. They pull up in front of the, uh, I think I wrote it down here, the Bell Size Private Hotel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is just some hotel. Some hotel. I don't know. I didn't look it up. Yeah, it's just a hotel. And it looks doesn't look good. It looks fine. I mean, it's in good well, shape. I, th- I thought it just looked like it had been already people had gone through it. Oh, well, it's full of people. Like, I think that's the thing. There's like There seems to be like a small contingent of blind people who were, I guess, probably guests of the hotel and the people who own it are, are living there already. And, you know, Bill comes in and he's like, it's funny. He comes in and the people are a little freaked out. They're like, blind owners are like, what are you doing here? Like please don't be in our home. Like mm. we don't know who you are. And Bill's quite reasonable at first being like, Hey, listen, we're going to stay here. It's going to be all right. We're not going to take anything from you. We're going to actually go out and get stuff. We're going to bring it back. It's going to be really helpful to you. And then he ends it when she, like the woman's still a little freaked out. He's just like, listen, either you do this or I'm going to evict you from this place. Like he gets really mean to her. And then she yeah. cries. Yeah. Bill, Bill has a real, uh, a real tone problem. I think. Yeah. Well, you have to be sympathetic for the position he's in, but maybe not the tone that he's taking. You like know? he comes off initially as being very, he's like, listen, I know this is bad, but like, I promise it's going to be all right. And then she starts to cry. And he's just like, listen, I'll throw you out of here. I'll throw you out of here in one second. <laughs> well, don't push him. Don't, don't push him. <laughs> At any rate, we kind of see them get set up. Like they go out, they work as a little work gang, finding supplies. We get this weird voiceover where Bill like uh-huh. narrates a letter he'd like to write to Joe about his experiences. Also, and let me mention, it's been, again, what, 48 hours? He's so in love with Joe. And they're just talking about, like, he's talking about, like, uh, getting married and, and being in a relationship and all this stuff. And it's like, you just met her. Like, how bad was your life before? <laughs> I mean, clearly terrible. Yeah. I mean, also, like, in his letter to her, he's just like, his biggest complaint is just like, ah, oh, blind people are so annoying. They can't see anything. <laughs> like, he's just, he's complaining about how it, like, it's not that it's hard work or difficult work. He's just kind of annoyed by it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really hard to feel like much sympathy for him. We start seeing that there's sick people, which I mentioned before. Yeah. The, the blind seem to be, maybe everyone, it's hard to say. They start coming out with the disease. I, I, and this is maybe a question of the timeline of this too. Like it just felt like I'm like, listen, society collapsed three days ago, mm-hmm. six days ago, a week ago everyone's not just getting like we're yeah. not get we're not immediately having a breakout of like i'll grant you maybe it's tougher for these people to clean themselves maybe there's not running water like these these hygienic things could be there see but it felt to me that it's unrelated that's how it felt the way it was maybe i'm wrong but it seemed like there's three problems there's blind there's triffids and then there's disease and those may may or may not be related i see and i read the disease as just like this is just this a symptom of like a breaking down society like you would right. get with low hygiene and stuff people are getting getting an illness just as a result of that but it, because it's been less than a week i'm just like listen people aren't everyone dropping has sc- dead everyone has scurvy because they haven't had orange yeah. juice in two days like people don't have uh, like they're not they're not rotting yet right. like <laughs> this isn't this like and also bill showing up and now is running this place like they're better organized than they ever have been like when he, they start getting sick bill sets up a quarantine with them yeah so that more people like they're like that was the thing i'm like i couldn't tell what was like well, like what like why are they all sick now it's just like they're like now it's time for the next shoe to drop and it's just like no no it's yeah. too fast <laughs> yeah too fast. yeah anyway and then what's the other uh thing they run into on their well, way well they come across some punks yeah and uh like quite literally punks and uh some hooligans and the, and the guy just is like oh blind people and pulls his gun and starts shooting at him well and what's crazy too is this hooligan who can see and yeah. has a gun also has his own group of blind, of people. blind people that he's clearly <laughs> taking care of. Yeah. He's also, he look, he may be a jerk. He may just shoot at innocent uh, bystanders. However, he's also taking care of a lot of blind people. At first, I thought he was going to be like, oh, he's going to chase them off because this is their area. They're protecting it. But no, he's just file, firing yeah. wildly into a crowd for entertainment purposes. Yeah. And I thought he was just kind of giving warning shots, but he hits someone and kills him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He kills one of the people handcuffed to Bill. Yeah. And so Bill does what? let's be fair, I would do as well, is like, well, I'm getting out of these handcuffs because <laughs> I got a dead person on me now. Well, it's very funny. The uh, the other blind person who's not shot is with him. He's just like, give me the handcuffs and I'll, and I'll handcuff him. He's just like, the blind guy's like, I'll do it so you don't run away. And Bill just cold cocks the guy yeah. and then also leaves him there to die. <laughs> yeah, he just leaves him. I was just like, Bill, Bill. Because he's, he's blind, doesn't know where he is. is. And he's also, 
20 feet from a guy who's just shooting people so yeah. he's, he's not making it out no no bill just cold cocks that man yeah. uncuffs himself from both people and leaves that man to die <laughs> oh bill but as he returns to the hotel bill has actually learned empathy he gets back everyone's like oh we're surprised you came back he's like listen i'm gonna keep working with you I get it now. Coker's taught me this very valuable lesson. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here and continue. And they're all like, help oh, you. "What happened to the two guys you were handcuffed with?" He's like, "Oh, anyways, I brought oranges." Anyways, oranges. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get we get to see him like now he's kind of helping. He really is honestly there to help yeah. because he has his arms back. He like steals a car and now they can do better runs because yeah. they can drive out and stick stuff. We get a brief section where a triffid attacks them. Mm-hmm. Finally, the triffids are back for a yeah. hot second. And uh, it really didn't go anywhere, though. I was really disappointed. I'm like, oh, we're going to finally get the Triffids back. It's just to story. remind you. Oh, by the way, that's what the show's about. There's, there's still Triffids. He, like, yeah. he like leads the blind people out a window and then steals a BMW limo to get away. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And it takes a long time. He like, I'm like, how long did you guys spend on this scene? It's just like him slowly rolling out the car. I'm like, yeah, I get it. He's in a car. I kept wanting to just, I'm like, just hit, a tri- just hit one of these <laughs> Triffids. I want to see you run one over. <laughs> anyway, obviously, things aren't great. The disease is spreading. Things are hard. Bill's the only sighted person. He misses Joe. The blinds aren't noticing, and we don't really get to see it because this all happens so quickly off screen, but the blind have noticed Bill's a little dissatisfied with his lot in life. Mm -hmm. And so they send a 15-year-old girl. At best. A blind 15-year-old girl up to his bedroom to offer herself to Bill. Uh, So he'll stick around if he has a woman in his life. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that no one knew who old she was because they couldn't see oh that's that is true yeah and i mean it does seem like and to be fair she's definitely not there against her will she seems to have volunteered herself for this role but it is an awkward sequence where thankfully bill at least is a stand-up guy in this way is like bill's just like listen god no this is not happening listen he's like i will stay just do not do this i'm like i am very unhappy with what you're doing and bill kind of like pushes her out goes to bed and when he wakes up in the morning, everyone's gone. And she's and she is dying of this disease. Yeah. What is the timeline? It just seems like it does feel like this is like a week later. Yeah, but that's it's the what it next feels like. It's the next morning. So and now we're into day three and this ravaged disease. Yeah, it's just like, guys, Over, this is too overnight. Fast. She was fine the day before yeah. when she was offering herself to him. Next morning, just riddled in so, sores. So he, he's really glad he didn't go through with it. Yeah, it would, that's a terrible you wake up in the next morning. Not only is it her 15 year old beside you, but she's all covered in sores. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> um, but all the blind people have run away, which is a weird thing. I guess blind people are cowards. Like they all just <laughs> ran away in the night. Like, you, that's that, that's going to be your famous quote. Blind people are cowards. But I mean, it's just so weird. It's just like he wakes up the next morning. Everyone's abandoned ship. Yeah. They haven't bothered to tell him. He's a deep sleeper. And he's just like, I just agreed to stay here with you guys. Why did you leave in, in the middle of the night without telling me? And uh, the the blind girl is in quite a lot of pain. So uh, she does the classic thing that everyone, anytime you go in a movie or TV and there's someone who's like uh, in some sort of, you know, they're dying in some way. What do they say? They're like, kill me, kill me. She, she, she begs for his mercy and uh, yeah. he basically leaves her a uh, bottle of sleeping pills to assist in her suicide. Mm-hmm. And then he, he loads up his new Range Rover. Yeah, full of it, shotguns yeah he, he somehow went and got a ton of guns and ammo arguably 12 shotguns in the back yeah. of that car and uh he drives off to so hopefully find joe somewhere in london um as he's sort of driving around the zone he thinks she's in he sees a blind woman trying to eat a can of coffee yes. grounds and then he essentially accosts her well this is what's weird here i will say you're right he will accost her but he gets out of the car initially he walks over to her. He he, he very sympathetically takes yes. the grounds away. He's just like, you can't eat these. They're coffee grounds. And she's obviously afraid. And she yeah. doesn't want her stuff. And he's like, here is a can of beans and a real can opener. Please eat this and it'll be okay. She's like, and he's like, now will you tell me, were you with a group of people who were the mm-hmm. tall blonde woman? And I was like, she can't see Bill. She doesn't know if he was a tall blonde woman. But that's yeah. what, how he asked her. And she's just like, I was, but I lost them. But they must be around here somewhere. And then Bill grabs the can and the can opener away and says, if you want to eat, you'll tell me where she is. And I was yeah. just like, what the, f-? like, this is just like when he yelled at them in the throat. Like, it's just like, yeah. you give the person something nice and they then Bill's want- go-to move is to neg them immediately. I think what they want to show is, is how passionate and how driven he is to find Joe because this is great love story that they haven't really dedicated any time to. But yes, it comes across in a very weird way. And I don't know if that's just because... We're now watching this in 2019, and this is from 1981, I, and maybe we're judging it too much. I'm deciding this right now, but I think he read the game, and so what he does is he gives a bunch of compliments, <laughs> and then he nags you real hard till he gets what he wants. It's a weird thing because we're now 
a couple hours. We're four episodes into this show, and his character is at best. He seems to grow compassion and then immediately yeah, lose it. Yeah, yeah. We, we're not still sure if, if we're on Team Bill. At any rate, Bill uh, kind of gets the information of the woman that they, she was staying at some sort of hotel. And the episode ends with him arriving at the hotel where she was staying. But it's just full of the dead and the dying, just like yeah. his own hotel. And, and a blind man tells him, she's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she is, but we're all dying here. So he heads back to the University of London. And as the episode ends, he hears footsteps. <laughs> yeah cliffhanger yep. what cliffhanger. could it, what could it be yep um but yeah i mean these episodes fly by yeah and it's weird because there's too many ideas they're trying to tackle yes. in too short of time also in too short a narrative set t- set of time too yes and now that watching this again i like the show i'm gonna give this pretty high you know high reviews compared to some things they could have used a little extra time in the first episode. That all that setup they had. If you only have six episodes, some of that could have been taken away, and they could. I have... mean, I think also like drop the people running away. Go to co- go to Cocker Coker and his idea for how to restabilize society, and then watch how that falls apart. Like, mm-hmm. Just pick one of these two ideas. Don't don't. Yeah. You can't do them both. You didn't have time to do them both. Yeah. But I, I get it. I would assume if we read the book, these are major plot points in all of them. I think you're right. And they're just like everyone will know the subtext. Just go go go. So, do you want to rate these? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, part three. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. So, part three, I think, for me, was a real step back. Like, it just didn't make any Like, the whole thing, I was just like, it was push plausibility past the breaking point for me. It's still fun. I like the time period. I like the setting. I love when I get to see a, a Triffid. But I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, these people are running away. Like, mm-hmm. they're just blind. Like, this isn't. This isn't like that big an apocalypse. Like you, you guys can like do a little more. Yeah. And because it's you know two days, three days later, it, this one really strained for me. I, I'm gonna give it a four. I think. Mm. I'm gonna go a little higher than you. I, I think you're right in all your points. I agree with you. But for some reason, the clip this show goes at and the sort of premise, I just still find fun enough so that I would originally have given it a five, but. Because I like that he ended up waking up on uh, on a bed, and I didn't see that going. That gets one point, so six out of ten. Six out of ten. I, yeah. I will say this: I am gonna. I'm just writing the individual episode low because I thought it was the weakest I've seen so far. I'm, I agree. I'm still hopeful it'll turn itself around because I'll, I'll write episode four now. You know, still all of the same problems as the first one. The characters. I mean, Bill was a little fluctuating, but I didn't feel he was as like insanely like. Mm-hmm. I could like I could at least follow a little bit of an arc, and you know. It felt like a bunch more time passed in this episode. It felt like he did something. There was a, like it felt more like I'm like, oh, okay, now we're back on a story again where they're trying to set up civilization. Yeah. It's still not as good as those first two episodes. Like we're seeing, I think the the inherent flaw in this show is just like we're gonna take one good idea but not give it enough space to breathe. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm gonna give this a six for part four. Yeah, I'm gonna go up a little bit on this. Again, I think we're all on the we're on the same page, but 6.5. 6.5, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not my favorite, but I like that it keeps moving. And you're right. After the last episode, it felt like we kind of stopped for a minute to go, hey, there's stuff happening where you made an interesting point earlier, which is we had that weird little interstitial moment of the, the two elderly people getting yeah. killed by the Triffids. What might have been interesting as a format for the show after now watching four episodes was Bill could be your major character, and that could be your your Your, your through line, yeah. Your through line. But it almost would have been ep- interesting if every episode you met new people and saw a different scenario. Like this episode's about this weird cult. Maybe Bill's in it, maybe not. This episode's about the disease. This episode is about starvation. And I just think there's a better way they could have done this. Yeah. And and I mean, maybe that's unfair for a show in 1981 that's essentially a mini series. And maybe that's too much to ask of the viewer. But I think they could have used their time to a better advantage than what they the problems they had in these last two episodes. And I think I think, you know, to you're right, to be fair, I think to the time period, like this is clearly a very early attempt to serialize something that is quite long and yeah. large. And you could see, I think, watching this now, it's like, oh, if, if you gave someone a modern crack at it, and I think there is a modern miniseries of it, but a long form modern crack at this, you could probably do some good work in yeah. this in this scenario. But saying all that, and I think we've probably criticize this more than praise it i still like this show and i'm having a good time watching and there's there's almost this intangible element to it that just like this is really fun and watchable there's a certain camp value yeah. and a certain just like heart to it that you can tell is in it that yeah. does it does push it along and get it past some of its like 
either a unfortunate politics or you know a thing we always have to overlook just like things from the past that are do not hold up today but yeah there's there's a there's there's an undercurrent of just general fun for i agree so i'm looking forward to to wrapping this up this is a quick one we have only two more episodes two more episodes we'll we'll see how it all ends Mm -hmm. here's my question for you and this will be i'm I'm trying to forecast the future Mm -hmm. up until now in my mind the lights in the sky are a direct result of something the Triffids did. Right. Do you feel those two are tied together? I think it is. I'm hoping the show actually does it because it feels like they're setting up. I mean, not that they're setting up mysteries, but they've set up enough things that you're hoping they'll they'll tie them together at some point. And I'm assuming well, someone four, will tell me. You yeah, know, those first two episodes, they really were like, are Triffids talking? Are Triffids intelligent? Yes. Now this light show happens. And in my mind, in those first episodes, I'm like, these are aliens. This is an alien attack in the sky. But after watching these next two episodes, I was just like, ah, but we're really wandering away from the Triffids entirely. Like now, like I think they'll now, go back. I'm, I, 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 like, I am, yeah. This is kind of where I am. Because I, I thought for sure in the next two episodes, we're going to start seeing the Triffid conspiracy unravel. Right. And we kind of just have like typical post-apocalyptic fare, which is fun. I love an apocalypse show. It's always a good time. But now I'm wondering, I'm like, are the Triffids going to be sidelined entirely? Yeah. Well, I, I hope not because I love watching those puppets walk around. Every time they're on, they're yeah. wonderful. <laughs> when their little tongues slip out. Yeah. Ugh, so wonderful. It's like almost a bad version of watching E.T. walk around. Just barreling around. It's just barreling around. Just a quick thing before we leave, before we end the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, how they how they work is there's a, a little go-kart car in the or go-kart seat oh, in really? the base of it. And a little operator sits in that go-kart seat and like drives it forward and like operates the limbs and it's stuff. like a little shriner yeah it's, it's a little shriner car and i'm like that's <laughs> super fun that is fun all right jordan well that, that wraps it up for this episode if you have anything you want to say about triffids you can email us at continuum drag at gmail.com and of course on social media we're gonna have less triffid gifts or yeah on this yeah there'll be more of i don't know uh people trying oh, to eat it'll be definitely grinds. a man opening fire in a group of blind people <laughs> yeah, that, that's always good for a time yeah because that was wild yeah uh but yeah there'll, there'll be some fun stuff because you know what I, I it's fun watching watching like this world in this period of time yeah. for sure but until then jordan good recording with you i'll yeah, we'll see you next time continuum drag is recorded in toronto ontario theme music by james rick seedler produced by jordan delick and luke black Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. <laughs>